You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul and Shu. Got another special guest with us. I guess by this point, Brian, I think this is your third time on, so we'll just go ahead and say friend of the pod at this point. Um, we got Brian Geisinger back with us, talk a little bit of offseason, previewing uh, the 23-24 Duke team, a little bit of a different look. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, we're basically going to be pulling from like his last four articles here. So there's one on Flip and Five Out, one on Proctor in the backcourt. Going to talk about Mark Mitchell a little bit as well um, and just what that dynamic is. If you're not familiar with Brian, he does do a lot of writing for us over at the Devil's Den and 247 Sports. He's also the co-host of the BuzzBeat podcast. Um, so with that, Brian, let's kind of jump in a little bit and let's start a little general, I guess, just on this offense that we're looking at. Pretty deep team. I think the biggest thing is probably Flip going to the five. Proctor starting the year is kind of the de facto guy on ball. Um, my first kind of question for you, though, is, and you've talked about this a little bit, wrote about it, there's going to be a lot of ball handlers, a lot of shooters, a lot of guards in general. Um, what do you see the offense doing differently than it did last year? To me, it looks like 180 in terms of the potential spacing, the pace mm-hmm. that we could run at. What are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, we I've mentioned it a few times, but you know, they really didn't play much five out with Flip last season. I think it was right around like a, you know, 100 minutes or so total the entire season. Um I could pull up those numbers when I have a second, but you know, um John Shire really wanted to have uh, you know, at least, you know, two bigs on the court at all times and if you've got Derek Lively uh, and he's bringing bringing it on the defensive end and opening opening up stuff for you with his rim pressure on offense. You can kind of get it, and you know I do think there's a chance that with you know with Ryan Young around, um, with maybe with Christian Reeves taking a step, um, and, and depending on how they want to use you know Sean Stewart, you know you're still going to have a lot of these sort of like you know you know uh, two post lineups where it's flip plus one of these other guys and. Um, if it's Stewart or whatever, maybe he's even, you know, uh, being a rim pressure dive guy. Um, you know, certainly that's something you'll see with young and, and Reeves as, as flip can kind of do basically anything, right? Like he can pop, he can short roll, he can dive all the way. I think it starts like a little like early, which is, I think they'll, my guess is they'll probably try to run a little bit more next season. Um, they were you know, pretty, pretty slow in terms of pace this past year. My guess and like, part of that is like, they were a very, very good defense. They didn't force a ton of turnovers. 
like the, again, they were an elite defensive unit and, and with lively anchoring everything in Proctor at the point of attack, like that was a pretty ferocious one, two punch is Mitchell flying around everywhere doing stuff too, but you know, they didn't, they didn't get a lot of steals. So maybe not as in transition as much as maybe some of these other, you know, Duke teams that you think of, of a recent history, but my guess would be that they play a little bit faster. I think with all of the, the ball handlers they have, I mean, they're four, they're so deep in the guard room. It's like kind of crazy. And that's even before you consider, even before you think about, Jaden Shute and Jalen Blakes. I mean, having Caleb Foster, Jeremy Roach, Tyrese Proctor, uh, Jared McCain. It's just it's crazy depth in the in the backcourt. And my guess is you're going to need to see them play a lot of like three guard type lineups. And if you're playing flip at the five, that's an easy way to I think loosen up another spot on the wing or in the backcourt and sort of give you have you give a little more freedom for a little bit more lineup versatility. Um, so my guess would be that you see different kinds of spacing, more five out looks, more, you know, more backcourts with, you know, probably three ball handlers on the court at the same time or three potential ball handlers on the court. Um, when I wrote about that a couple of weeks ago, I drew upon the example of, the team from the 21-22 season of having Jeremy Roach, Wendell Moore mm-hmm. Jr., Trevor Keels. It's not like you have to go back like that far to be like, right. oh, you know, when did Duke have this many ball handlers that they had to accommodate? And that team obviously had Paolo Bencaro, who, you know, you're of course going to run a ton of the offense through because he's a six foot ten, you know, Number basketball genius. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's the guy's incredible and he's you know, set to dominate the NBA for the next decade plus. He's so he's so good. It's pretty ridiculous. But um, so my guess is you'll see more of that. I think you'll see more guard to guard screening actions, which is something that's like been a part of Duke's you know repertoire for a, for a while now. But I think you'll see a lot of a lot of that. I think someone like Tyrese Proctor uh, has like a really. I think he has a really big role to fill in this setup too. I think if you're seeing more three guard lineups, you know, this is a guy that you probably want at the point of attack, but you might just say on certain nights, he's got to be the guy as opposed to guarding an opposing one. He's just taking the, uh, you know, the biggest high usage wing or guard on the opposing team with his size and in and, and his length and his strength defensively. And Proctor has also shown an ability to get off the, like, be on the ball, get Duke into its sets, get off the ball, then get back to it. And I think that's going to be something like he's going to have to find that balance. And I also think it's going to give him an opportunity to show what he can do as like a movement shooter, a guy that gets off the ball, comes off a pin down screen. And then it's not just like catching the ball to look to get into like a second side action is catching and looking for a catch and shoot three. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he showed, like uh, maybe not on t- a ton of volume last year, but really like I like him as a movement shooter. I think he's got the footwork and and certainly like he's got the, the, the shooting touch for it as well. So I think Proctor has a big like two-way responsibility and is going to have to sort of like find the balance uh, on both sides of the court. And I'll, I will be curious to see like right now it seems obvious that that they're going to have to go to more like flip at five and, and five out looks, but, but maybe they don't. I'd actually be curious to know sort of like what you guys think um, in terms of like, you know, are we going to see more of Filipowski at the five or are they going to, is John Shire going to try to piecemeal, you know, 40 minutes per game with, you know, a little bit of flip at five, but then also a lot of, you know, Ryan Young, um, 
John Stewart, uh, Christian Reeves in there as well. Yeah, for, I, I think I'll, I'll speak for me, I guess, first. I'm, I'm hoping to see a lot of flip at the five, but I do kind of anticipate if he's, let's say he plays like 33 minutes, um, you know, probably 13 of those are going to be at the four, right? Just of the way, because of what Young does from a leadership standpoint, just being that older guy, you got to get Stewart in there. And so offensively, he's probably going to have to play kind of a five role, right? Flip's probably better on the perimeter. Um one thing that you wrote about, though, that I'm really curious, and we talked about this kind of throughout the last season, last year we had to have this, like, we, like, artificially created space, right, with, like, by some of the screen actions we were doing. And one of the plays that or the sets that you talked about is bringing both bigs out to kind of initiate the offense. And that's kind of, like, inverse a little bit. Now, a lot of teams are doing that with when they're young and Filipowski together. They're both on the perimeter you're kind of hoping that someone just gets lost defensively because you don't really need to step out there and guard young. And I think you can maybe even sag off flip a little bit until he really proves that he's going to be 35 plus from there. Uh, this year though, it seems the spacing is a little bit more organic. You don't really have to artificially kind of create it. It's kind of just there in those flip at the five Mitchell at the four. What does that do kind of philosophically for, for Shire and the staff having that just, organic space there in terms of having to kind of create it artificially last year. Yeah. I mean, the first thought is it opens up pockets of space for cutters. So someone like Mark Mitchell, who I, I think showed a real, maybe not on a, a ton of volume, but certainly not like an insignificant amount showed himself to, I think to be a pretty good cutter and also to be a, someone that had nice chemistry with Filipowski last season, mm -hmm. like so often on the short roll, they were able to get a, a second side cut. You know, they, uh, you know, Duke runs pick and roll with Jeremy Roach and Kyle Filipowski. Uh, opposing team puts two on the ball. Uh, Roach throws it to Filipowski in a pocket of space, sort of like in between the lane and the three point line. The second, you know, help defender rotates over and Mark Mitchell to, to guard Filipowski. And Mitchell was so good at sort of like trailing those help rotations in, in Filipowski, obviously, with his size and, and his skill. I mean, he's not Ben Caro you know, who is, but Filipowski's pretty good at, at making those reads, whether it's to a cutter or if, if Mitchell's cut, you know, sucks in a, another defender, Filipowski's pretty good at hitting that skip pass to Tyrese Proctor on the, the weak side wing or corner for a, for an open catch and shoot. So I just think like some of the random cuts and, and a guy like Mitchell who could, who could really benefit from that or Sean Stewart, like those types of guys that with their athleticism should be able to just like with, with the right kind of ball movement, get into space. I'll be fascinated to see um, on some of those, like, you know, uh, two big lineups. What, when the, when, you know, there's a high low type action, I'll be curious to see what the spacing does look like on some of those looks next season. Um, I think this past year, I would even find myself like frustrated at times watching them because they'd run high low. They put Filipowski in the post. He's a great post player and he's elite at drawing fouls and he's so physical playing through contact. And guys, he's an absolute tank. But if it was Lively or Ryan Young often trying to make that that high low entry pass, as you were sort of just indicating, like teams don't have to worry about those guys shooting the basketball. Um, and really neither one of those guys is going to like, try to like chew up the space. You know, if you sag right. off them, it's not like those guys are going to try to like get downhill, you know, D Domas Sabonis style, or even like the mm -hmm. way that 
Kyle Filipowski could probably try to do just drive into the drive into the space if you're going to give him give him the room. So I'll be curious to see like um, how they space it uh, with with guys like Young and Filipowski on those high low actions. Um, if it is Young, you know teams are still going to sag off, but who knows? Then that can quickly turn into a dribble handoff for one of the one of the the other guards. And if there's no you know uh, five defender up there at the level of of Young then the guy coming off the handoff might be able to to sprint into a, a, a good look. But it, if they're playing more five out, then that's probably less of a, you know, it's less of a concern because if it's TJ power, you know, throwing, you know, is he, if he's the one trying to throw the, the high, low pass, uh, I don't think teams are going to be able to sag off of him. Right. Like he's just going to start, you know, banging shots uh, right, right in, uh, you know, the opposing defense's face or in, in maybe Mitchell. I mean, like he's not an amazing outside shooter, but he shot a decent percentage from deep this past year. He's got a, a long, you know, he's got sort of a, um, an awkward look that takes some time to get, get going. But if he had enough space, like he might be able to, to make you pay. So I'll be curious to see like, not only how much five out and how much of like flip at the five there is, I'll be curious to see when he is playing the five, who's playing like the de facto three and four in those looks when they go high, low, um, what's the spacing look like? Who's in? Who's out? And then I'm also going to be curious to see when Flip is playing the five, what his screens result in. Mm. You know, is he? You know, he again. He he did plenty of like you know pick and pick and dive last year, but he is probably a guy that's more accustomed and better suited long term to be a guy that picks and pops or right. or short rolls into space. Right. Um. And you know that that made, it was a little bit different last year when you had Derek Lively as as the guy that could screen and dive and and get to be a pressure point on the rim. But without that, and without that lob threat, um, you know, is there some way they can find that with other guys on the roster? Um, and if not, can they just like make Flip more of a target on that to be a guy that's helping you get north south by diving to the rim on some of these pick and roll sets? Yeah, I'm curious to see if uh, Sean Stewart factors in at all because. He has some verticality to him. And I think if you're playing him at the five or at the four with flip, mm-hmm. it's pretty interchangeable. Totally. And yep. he's going to at least space the floor a little bit better than Young might simply because he has a little bit more off the dribble game. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's, it remains to be seen how his jumper is, but I think there could be a little bit more flexibility to that uh, too big lineup than maybe with Young. Yeah. I think it, I think they have the chance to be, to your point, like, Pretty interchangeable. There's so much lineup versatility with this team. I think we talked about that when we highlighted just how deep the backcourt is and because of Proctor's size and shooting, just how you can sort of like move him around throughout there. Um, And certainly when we talk about it, we think about it with Flip being able to like vacillate between the four and the five. But having TJ Power, Mark Mitchell, Sean Stewart, these guys that can like float between different positions and sort of like augment these lineups, like... You have a lot of pathways to a lot of different, uh, you know, five out small ball lineups, if you want to even call it that, because like Flip is obviously still huge at the center position. And, and if you're playing, you know, Mitchell and, and Power at the three and four, or, you know, Power and, and Mitchell at the, or pardon me, you know, uh, Stewart and uh, Mitchell or whatever the combination is, like you're still going to have a ton of like size and length across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, let's talk a little bit. We kind of hit on it kind of already, but let's kind of jump into some individual players. Ro, I know you had some notes for this. We've kind of maybe hammered Flip's part a little bit, so I don't know if you want to go ahead and jump into Flip or just move on to Mark, but I'll toss it over to you to kind of take it whichever way you feel like we need to. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit more to talk about with Flip. Um, I'm curious about him initiating the offense. You described several plays in your article in which he might be able to do that. Uh, Chicago slash Zoom, where maybe he could be the dribble handoff guy. You know, mm-hmm. I believe Chicago is like a pin down into a dribble handoff, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's that. Um, he could play in the slot with the continuity uh, ball screen offense mm-hmm. and maybe get something out of there. Um, so, yeah, what do you see with him as kind of the ball handler? Or he could even uh, a simpler version might just be to have him run an inverted pick and roll. Yeah, which is something they did. They did last season, like a decent sum. And they also did a, a fair amount of you know, four or five pick and roll. One of the things I highlighted was, I think it was the Wake Forest game at Cameron last year. Um, they called, there was a timeout in the second, I think it was in the second half or late in the first half. And they, the first three plays out of the timeout were, you know, horn set, throw it to to flip at the elbow and then run what's called get pick and roll. Just as, just so you have the the five man, you know, young or lively come over and uh and set the ball screen um teams can try to switch that if they want to uh but then you could try to slip against that and just with flips ability to handle uh, i know he can get a little wild with the spin moves occasionally (laughs) but his ability to create his own shot create contact and pass and just be a guy that can create advantage because he's so strong and and skilled in in the paint and again he can he just draws attention it's going to open up stuff for, you know, kick out threes, um, you know, pocket passes to the five, you know, whether it's it's Stewart or it's um, or Young or Reeves or whomever. But yes, I think they should be considering like finding ways to have him initiate as 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 much as possible. I, I know that sounds like maybe a little counterintuitive, just given the the, the incredible guard play on the roster, but. I mean, you guys watched every game last season. Like Kyle Filipowski is so good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He's so good. Um, and he can do there. He just has like, I wouldn't want to put any, put him in any type of box. Right. Because like he can kind of do everything and he's got this incredible frame and he's got, I think he's going to end up being, I think he's going to end up shooting it. Like whether that happens next season at Duke or not, like I still feel long-term, I feel good about his shot. Um, you know, as his NBA career progresses, but I just wouldn't put any cap on like what what he does. I like those like five out initiation sets, like which I refer to those as like delay. Sometimes you see them called open. Duke may have their own sort of like terminology for it, but it's five out. You put the ball in Flip's hands at the middle of the floor, where he's most dangerous, by the way, right? Like guys like yeah. that, they're at their most um they're toughest to corral when they have the ball in the middle of the court and they're spacing around them um, because help has to, it's just most difficult for basically the most difficult for help to show and recover and get back. And just, he has more space to kind of get into his bag. Um, But also what I like about those looks are it allows flip to initiate, but when they go into those, those zoom actions or Chicago actions, like whatever you want to call them, the pin down into the dribble handoff, well, then you're allowing someone like Caleb Foster or Jeremy Roach or Tyrese Proctor 
to to get a little bit of steam, right? Like they're starting mm-hmm. in the corner, they're, they're coming off of a down screen, so their defender is already at a disadvantage, and then they're going into the dribble handoff. And from there, you know, the like you just got a ton of different possibilities. Like you could have that guy come off the pin down, come off the DHO, and then just run pick and roll with flip, or flip could pop, or flip could dive. And whoever set the pin down, if that's Mark Mitchell or TJ Power, like that person could can pop and, and maybe be open for a, a catch and shoot three. There's just a lot of stuff you can do. So I like that because it immediately scrambles the defense by by using really good spacing and putting the ball into the hands of your, your best player and then using that as the fulcrum to then get the ball back into the hands of one of your really talented guards with some advantage created already. So they're mm-hmm. not just having to show up, run, pick and roll, and then react to whatever the defensive coverage is. Like You're sort of forcing the action there. Yeah, I think we already saw that modeled a little bit in the NBA by uh, the Sacramento Kings this last year. With For all sure. the handoffs they ran with Sabonis. But in theory, it could work. I don't want to say even better because obviously the Kings were successful, but um, better because Flip is an actual shooting threat, whereas Sabonis, you could just kind of sag off of him. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah, that's yep. kind of what I was envisioning there. Um, what do you think that um, Duke kind of loses by having Flip at the five the whole time? Because one big area of success last year, to my mind, was the offensive rebounding and the defense. So how do they kind of compensate for those things? Yeah, I mean, I think the offensive rebounding, they'll probably be, you know, regress a little bit there. But Flip is, you know, obviously, I mean, y'all know, like he's an incredible <laughs> offensive rebounder. I mean, mm-hmm. not having Lively is is so, somewhat of a blow. But Ryan Young, I mean, I guess that wouldn't be the case in these five-out lineups. But, like, I think there's still going to be a very good offensive rebounding team because of Flip and, and Young and uh, Mitchell. And we'll see what some we'll see what someone like Sean Stewart, you know, adds to the uh, the equation, too. And some of those five-out looks, though, yeah, they probably won't, won't beat people up on the glass quite as much. But I think if you have Flip on the floor and in the paint, like, you're still going to be, at, at, at worst, like, a pretty good offensive rebounding team and not just a team that, like, gets a lot of offensive, offensive rebounds and kicks out. Like, when Flip gets an offensive rebound, like, that turns into a layup or free throws or both, right? Like, yeah. those are, like, really juicy, like, second-chance opportunities um, that they're all, they're more valuable than, you know, just a replacement-level, you know, small ball center catching an offensive rebound. Like, they're especially valuable with a guy like Flip. Um, I think the biggest thing, I mean, you, you sort of noted it, but like, I think the biggest change is like what defense, um, I would be, I'll be really curious, this curious to see if, and when they play flip at center, what the, what the pick and roll coverage looks like, because with lively, you could basically do everything right And and he was so incredible at, you know, in the drop or being up at the level switching out. I mean, you could do everything with him. He was a, you know, defensive center savant, like he really was. And, and obviously with his instincts and his ground coverage and his just like feel for the game and his reading of the game, he was so good at like, you know, being in one spot and then, you know, basically rotating back to the rim and, and closing things down. Obviously he just an incredible rim protector for a, a lot of different reasons, certainly the physical tools, but just his understanding of the game, uh, very in his instincts, like very, very, very Im- impressive. So, you know, see this team being nearly as good as they were, like contesting stuff at the rim. And so I guess if you're playing flip the five, like if you think that you're maybe not going to be 
um, you know, as ferocious, you know, helping and recovering and then and being, being able to have like a force at the rim. Um, maybe you switch more, which they switched a lot last season, whether flip was playing center or lively was playing center. Like, you know, they, they switched a lot one through five. Um, and it was pivotal for them in certain games, but maybe you think like, let's just keep the ball in front more as opposed to like, uh, being up at the level and, and rotating around behind the play or, or dropping and, and trying to fight over the screen. Certainly Proctor can, can do that. Um, I think they have enough size throughout the lineup if they did want to like switch even more. I think they they could do that. Um I will also say like I think Mitchell, I think I wrote about this in the Mitchell piece. I think he has like um he already had like a pretty big role for them defensively last season, you know, either guarding certain guys or just being like an important help defender. But I think in those lineups with Flip playing 5 like Mitchell becomes the guy in the back line that's just like putting out fires everywhere. Uh, yeah. if, if stuff happens, right? If there's a slip and you know someone's open going to the rim, he's got to be the guy that rotates off the corner, right? And, and is like a presence at the rim. I just think he becomes the guy that like he is. He he's the Jared Vanderbilt of of Duke's defense. If you, to borrow mm-hmm. another NBA analogy, just like the guy that is having to be in a bunch of different spots at the same time, it, reading the play. And then, you know, when he has to, rotating and making plays at the rim. Yeah, I wanted to to ask about that. You know, obviously, losing a guy like Lively is major. It's nice to have an eraser back there. But it, you don't yeah. need an eraser if you don't make as many mistakes up front, right? So, mm-hmm. you get Proctor another year under his belt. We saw what he could do on ball. Um, as you were just getting into Mitchell, just being able to to help and recover from almost anywhere. You know, hopefully with those two guys having another year under him, um, we'll be able to shore up some of that and not, not need as much, you know, look, you're, you're always going to need rim presence, but not get burnt for open, easy ones. If you're, you guys are paying attention to making the right rotations and reads. It extend the passing lane a little bit too, maybe right. To try to jump some stuff. John's talked about wanting to increase the turnovers. Obviously I'm hoping we don't like go full K on that, right? Like nineties, <laughs> it worked great recently. It's not going to work. You know, it just doesn't not at the level that you need it to, but yeah. I think we could play a little bit. We could extend a little bit if we needed, um, especially in those three guard lineups. I mean, with Proctor, you know, Ro- Roach is an improved defender, but there's still limitations there, but if Proctor and Foster out there together to me is really interesting, especially mm-hmm. if you have like, Mark Mitchell and kind of this free safety backline roaming kind of role, like the Justice Winslow kind of role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the issue there, and you kind of had talked about it or wrote about it a little bit, is if he's going to be doing that, we the closeout situation, right? Because he's going to be asked to drop and recover at like a really insane level um, yeah. and, and learning how to take those routes, learning, because that was really the only major area last year defensively that I saw out of Mark like uh, some like on ball and some of the stuff he was doing is phenomenal but there were little times where it's like on the close out he doesn't know if he wants to close to contest or like kind of like just show contest and stay home and you saw like a leaky black or a Caleb Love just be able to get that that one step and then they're at the rim and now we don't have lively right so that's I guess the the challenge, um, but I guess you got Sean Stewart too. So maybe you just have Sean mm-hmm. and Mark just kind of like playing this pseudo kind of same role defensively and and helping out. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's like it's really hard, right? Like it it is hard, and especially if you're per- like the the guy you're the the player you're helping off of could be different every game, right? Like if yeah. it's 
uh, you know, if it's if it's Caleb Love as as streaky of a shooter as he is, you know, that is a guy that you have to close all the way out on, right? Because like he can he can make a lot of threes if he's you know catching sh- catching shooting over a so so closeout. Like it is it is amazing to see just how much like when you chart this stuff, like just how much like a good contest matters. It it, it is incredible like what that stuff does for shooting percentages. Not just in college basketball, but like up up through the NBA, like it, it really does have have a profound profound impact. Um, but certain guys, like someone like Lee Black, you might want to play that guy for the drive or for the pass, you know, as opposed to just like a a hard hard closeout on a you know a guy that made modest improvements as a spot up shooter, but but uh but really never quite turned the corner all the way. I do think late in the season, and I've highlighted this in the Mitchell piece, and I even tweeted something out. I think during the te- after the Tennessee game or, or no not not Tennessee game because Mitchell didn't play in that. I think maybe after the UVA game um at the ACC tournament. But late last season there were a couple of moments in the in the win in Chapel Hill and in the the UVA win um in Greensboro at the tournament where I think a lot of the defensive credit for Duke as they were basically playing as a, at a top five to 10 level efficiency wise, the last 10 games of the season, a lot of that rightfully so went to Proctor and went to lively, but Mitchell's backline playmaking like legit, like making impressive reads, impressive rotations. And then like really good contests on guys like Mondo Baycott, Caden Shedrick. Like these are good college centers and without you know, guy, too. without yeah. yeah you know just the great verticality I, I think on some of the plays i highlighted like i don't think he blocked any of the shots right but the contest was just so good at the rim he's strong and vertical that's really impressive stuff i thought those were some of the like i mean mitchell had a great season uh, i thought on both ends of the floor and he's just the, the dude is a warrior and he's total low maintenance player but what he was doing as a help defender late in the season, I thought was pretty, um, pretty special. And, and it is something that I'm, I'm hopeful is like a sign of things to come for him. Like if it'd be awesome if he really turned into this sort of like roving defensive playmaker that just like, again, puts out fires, creates events. Um, and maybe, the, maybe you can tap into even more of that uh, next season. I think we should maybe transition to talking about his offense a little bit. Um, Cause we mostly highlighted his defense. Do you think he can kind of become more of an on-ball threat, or is he really just best used as a kind of a cutter, an off-ball shooter, like we saw him mostly used last year? I think he can do it a little bit. I mean, he's shown the ability to, uh, you know, like pump and go, and and up to, uh, neither. I mean, obviously, like he's he wants to finish with his left hand, but if he gets downhill, like he can, he he has the ability to put the ball on the floor, you know, one two times from the three-point line against the closeout and finish with his right hand. He can cross over and get to his right. Like he's not, I think he's still pretty dependent on that left hand, but it's not like quite as much of like a crutch as I thought it was going to be when I first saw him like early in his freshman season. Um, I think he can do it. It's something that um, I'd like to see more of, but like it might just be tough given like the amount of other ball handlers on the roster, you know, like the, in or a guy like Mitchell, like, Shire is lucky to have a guy that doesn't need the ball. Like he's he's happy to spot up, cut, hit the offensive glass, get in transition, screen when you need him to, make the extra pass. Like my guess would be that he's going to get some of some opportunities, but that 
I just don't see it being a huge part of, of Duke's offense unless he made some type of like massive outlier growth this offseason because you've got four guards and in a front court player and flip that you're probably going to want to see the ones being, you know, generating the most amount of, you know, offense for this team. But I think Mitchell will still get some opportunities too. When we played Syracuse, I believe he was kind of instrumental in the middle of the zone there. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if, because he is kind of a threat to score in the post, he actually has a nice post game and touch. I'm wondering if you could kind of get him in the middle a little bit. I already referred to flip doing that, but mm-hmm. you know, with flip, I was envisioning more at the top of the key. I'm wondering if there's something there with kind of Mitchell as a little bit of a hub where you kind of take advantage of his uh, post offense and pretty good passing, I think. Yeah, he can play at the nail and play at the elbows. Like certainly Flip can too. And I think Ryan Young can also can also do some of that as well. But yeah, I think Mitchell, like I, I don't think I think rightfully so, he doesn't have some like amazing rep as like a, a high post, you know, plate passer or whatever, but like he can do it. He can hit the lob, the high lows, high low lobs to lively in in the zone. Um, he's shown the ability to make the extra pass. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's maybe something you can chew on a a little bit there. And if they're playing, you know, if they're going to be in some five outlooks, then I think those opportunities are going to be there. Like there's just going to be space and opportunity, uh, for, for Mitchell to be, to be a guy that, um, isn't just a play finisher, but is also like a connector for them. Yeah. I like the connector term. Cause I think it's, it's a different question if we're asking, what does Mark look like as an initiator, as a creator versus someone like we're not asking him to create the advantage. We're asking him to take advantage of the advantage yeah. already off those actions you're talking about. He's already got the movement going downhill. Build the phenomenal. advantage. Yeah. Build the advantage, not necessarily create it and not yeah. be the one that's always finishing the play. But yes, I think he absolutely has the ability with his movement, with his unselfishness to be someone that adds that amplifies the advantage right. as it sort of like crescendos throughout the possession you know, uh, going from a Mark Mitchell cut to a diagonal pass to a Kyle Filipowski dunk. Right, right. Josh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Proctor, maybe. Yeah, Proctor's my guy, right? So he's been my guy since day one. Just the the, the play style, everything about him is just a, a big fanboy over here for me. Um, <laughs> my biggest question now coming in is, one, he already looks super confident in the workouts. We're seeing, we're hearing these reports about him being a leader, what are you looking for now? Because, you know, obviously a big transition for him last year, coming from Australia, trying to get up to speed, the reclass, everything moved quickly. Now it's obviously Shire just said nothing's, you know, a given a what your same role might change. But I think it's safe to assume he comes in, balls in my hands. I'm the kind of guy like this is kind of my team, maybe in that kind of Bobby Hurley-esque way, right? So what do you think that looks like for him, especially now that the shooting is hopefully closer to the last 15 games or so versus those first 15? Yeah, I, I was never even, maybe we even talked about it we did, the yeah. first time I came on with you guys. Like, I just wasn't ever that worried about his shooting. Like, he was taking good shots. He was just in a really unlucky stretch and maybe dealing with some confidence stuff too. But like, he was still making free throws. If you watched him shoot it, you know, you know what a you know what you know what a you know a, a guard shooter looks like, and and so I just I was it was good that he put it all together, and it you know the way he finished the season, not just the last however many games, but the shot making in that Tennessee game was just insane. Like yeah. he, it was, I mean, he's not you're not gonna have a you're not gonna shoot it like that every game, you know, especially against 
you know, arguably the best defense in the country. But that was like special stuff from from Tyrese Proctor in, in the final game of the season. Like without Mark Mitchell, no one else really had it going. And 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 Tyrese was just uh, you know, on a heater. Um I like Proctor just because like I'm 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 a big fan myself. Um because he can do so many different things and with his size and his shooting and his ability to make difficult passes, not necessarily flashy passes, but just to make passes that are over multiple lines of defense and that require his length and his vision and his, uh, you know, his reach to be able to access. He can throw some really nice stuff. So for someone like Proctor, that's not going to just turn the corner and get downhill every single time. Like he doesn't have the, the incredible first step or the ability to go from, you know, go from zero to 100 immediately, but he's got size. He can shoot. He can pass. He's got nice touch from all different levels of the floor. And so he's just a very like poised cerebral ball handler who can throw a bunch of different passes, has good chemistry running those empty corner pick and pop looks. Um, with Kyle Filipowski, as does Jeremy Roach um, from last season as well. And I'm assuming he's probably going to see, we saw a lot of drop coverage last year against Duke, right? You got two big, so he's coming off these screens and these actions. And sometimes, and I think we'd even talk about it, and it's not just Proctor, everyone, especially in college, you get in that no man's land where then like Baycott or whoever that big is, is just really kind of sinking down. Yep. Yep. With this offense this year, it's going to be much harder for teams, I think, to just drop like that because we can clear flip out. We can put Mitchell in short corner or wherever you want to do that. What will that what do you think that does for maybe just for him but for the backcourt in general well maybe it allows him to to get downhill a little bit more and like get all the way to the rim like yeah. as good as Tyrese is like uh, you know he did not and he had a really nice freshman season and like he doesn't get to the line much even though he is an incredible free throw shooter he doesn't get to the rim much all the way to the rim especially in the half court um he rarely dunks the basketball um, and he doesn't get to the line much. So you'd love to see those those numbers all like boost up. And he's got like, you know, he's got a nice handle. Um, he he had a fair amount of like unassisted rim field goals last season that would that are like an indicator of someone that can create, you know, his own shot, you know, and, get, and do so, you know, going to the rim. But he didn't shoot like an amazing percentage there. So my hope would be that like it just opens up um more rim pressure for Tyrese Proctor, which is something that like he's not great at. And as you were sort of noting, and some of those drop coverage looks like I would find myself wanting him to like chew up the space and like go at it a little bit mm-hmm. as opposed to like, I mean, he's got a really nice, you know, pull up shot. He can to the floater. He's got like little like leaners and fadeaways. Like he's got some really nice like versatility as a shooter in those in-between looks, but those aren't like amazingly high percentage shots either. So my hope would be that it just it boosts his rim pressure. But I said it earlier too, like I think it's going to be important for this guy to be like um willing to like play without the basketball at times. And I think that's something that he'll be happy to do. But just like Jeremy Roach, Caleb Foster, like those guys are going to want to run pick and roll and have the ball in their hands too. And it's good, it's awesome that they've got a guy like Proctor that can spot up and help open up the floor for them as well. Like it his ability to like move without the basketball popped last season. I think it's going to be important for for him in year 2 as well. 
I know last year we ran a lot of uh, that baseline out of bounds play that Duke's been running forever. Yeah. And towards <laughs> yeah. the end of the year, yeah. we especially started to run it for Proctor a lot. And it would usually result in him getting a corner three. And if it didn't, it was like a lob to Lively. Yep. I don't know if we can execute it at the same level without Lively there, but that would be kind of an interesting thing to see used maybe even more. Yeah, that was something I highlighted in the uh, the piece about Proctor. I think I even mentioned it earlier in the season at one point in one of the other pieces I wrote. But yeah, he it's the old, you know, Tyus Jones, you know, throw the ball to Jaleel Okafor. Like, he's the one being the inbounds passer underneath the basket. Throw it to the five, immediately cut to the corner off a dribble handoff. The screen defender goes, you know, on-ball defender goes under and then just pop that three. Like, it's right there on a, on a platter. Duke's been running that play for... Uh, as long as I could basically remember, yep. um, mm-hmm. and like the you know like this isn't even this isn't you know unique. Like lots of teams are looking to like score on those inbounds plays, and Duke does a really nice job having these actions that are targeting the three in the rim. And like ones one is read one, one's read two. You know, um, there's a, a back screen into uh, a, a pin down screen. And then, you know, you're trying to see if you can get the guy coming off the down screen for a, a catch and shoot, or the guy who's at the initial, uh, you know, back screen, if you can get him diving to the rim, Mitchell Stewart, like those types of guys. So yeah, Proctor showed, I think a real nice, like he was really, really good in those scenarios certainly helps having, you know, lively be the guy to help set that stuff up. But if that's flip in those scenarios too, like he's obviously very capable as well. And I think it helps if you have, uh, kind of three guards out there on the wing spacing the floor as well, because then that's another option that the defense has mm-hmm. to worry about. Yep. Ab- yeah, absolutely. I mean, someone like, um, you know, McCain, I think projects as a, a, a really nice shooter for them. Um, yeah, I don't think Jeremy Roach is like a high volume, like amazing three point shooter, but like that, like he shoots it, you know, just well enough, you know what I mean? Yeah. To be, to be, a, to be like a, a spot up threat. Um, and who knows? Maybe like he, maybe he, shoots it at you know career best number you know on catch and shoots or whatever next season as well yeah one thing i do like about proctor and we can actually talk about roach a little bit um as i think and maybe it's and you could talk about this too brian but maybe it's the international exposure or just the play style but he doesn't quite have the burst but he's really really good about when the screen gets denied or the action gets cut off that like he continues to move in circle and you saw a lot mm-hmm. where he would like have to kind of give it back up to flip at the nail or the top of the key but he would cut right back and they would find each other on those give and goes yep that's something that i hope that maybe you teach roach teach mccain teach foster whatever but i think that part of his game really allows him to kind of maybe be better suited as the secondary creator, but it, it gives a, a versatility to where he can really be a wing almost too, if you need him to be. Yeah, absolutely. And he can certainly guard, like you you are whatever position you can defend too, right? Yeah. And, and, and Proctor can guard, you know, can certainly guard wings of, of a bunch of different sizes and, and play styles. He's a very good defender um, and he's got some size too. It was... Like watching him guard Caleb Love up close during the game at Cameron last season, it was, it. I wouldn't say I would stop short of jarring, but he was just like much taller than Caleb Love. Like <laughs> you know, it was like, oh yeah, no, he's this guy's like in in Love is by no means like a, a small guard or whatever, you know. But you just saw those two guys next to one another. It was like, wow, Proctor has a just a, a very obvious size advantage here. Um, I love his ability, whether it's like 
part of the set or like Duke is just in its flow offensively, like it's pick and roll flow or motion flow or whatever. Like he is absolutely willing to pass it, cut, relocate. Yeah. And I mean, he got probably the majority of his like three pointers last season on just like relocation attempts. And a good chunk of those were plays where he started on the ball, got off of it. And I mean, like, you know, I hesitate to, to say this because like, I, you can't compare anyone to Steph Curry. He's a totally, you know, unique talent. And I definitely don't want to, Tyrese Proctor's awesome, but like, I, I don't mean to actually draw a comparison here. I bring up Curry to just mention like the point. One of the things that makes Steph Curry so difficult to guard, obviously, is like the shot. He's an incredible shooter from every spot on the floor. But his willingness to like get off the ball, run around, mm-hmm. and get back on it is the thing that makes him like, makes he's already like the incredibly difficult to guard it, but it makes him like a crisis for a defense. Every time he's without the ball, like there's are just alarm bells going off and like Proctor is not there. He's nowhere close to that. Really? No one in the history of basketball is, but it's like, there's, there's just a difference between someone like Steph Curry, who is constantly in motion and someone like Trey young, who is yeah. also sick, like is totally sick, like a playmaking genius. But like when he gets off the ball, he's stagnant. He, he doesn't move around teams can teams. If when he gets off the ball and there's 11 seconds left on the shot clock, he might not, you could, you could almost say, I'm not worried about him the rest of the possession. Yeah. Um, Proctor is not like that, right? Like he gets off of it and he's just, he's going to keep moving and keep hunting and looking to either, you know, get into a, a, a catch and go situation or a catch and shoot or, or, or a second side pick and roll, like whatever it is. But I, I really admire that about his game. Roll, you want to finish this out with Roach here? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to talk about Roach's place on this team. Um, it seems like maybe it's a little bit up in the air with so many backcourt players being added. Is there something that he can provide that you see or saw last year that you think the other guards can't that'll give him a you know a strong role in this offense? Yeah, I think I, I need to see. I mean, I need to see Foster and, and McCain play a little bit more. I've only seen a little bit of of both, and maybe a little bit more of McCain. And um, as much as we like Proctor, we were sort of just highlighting his inability to 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 reliably pressure the rim as a freshman. We'll see what that looks like in year two. You know, Roach isn't like because of his size, he's always going to be limited, like finishing around the rim. Like it just it just is. Like he's six feet tall, six one. Like it. You know, you're trying to score around guys that are 6'10". Like, it's it's hard. But he has the ability to get into the paint. Um, he's got, like, just enough burst. He's got just uh, just enough, like, jab and go and, you know, Euro step and, and get downhill. His ability to get into the paint and touch the paint with his dribble, and whether it's pick and roll or catch and go, I think is a big deal for this team. And this is one of the... I can't remember which, of the, which piece I mentioned this in, but... Uh, last season, Roach attempted 2.7 field goal attempts per game that were within 4.5 feet of the rim. So that's basically shots, you know, in the restricted area, um, which was in the 85th percentile for guards in the country. He also attempted 2.3 field goal attempts per game that were in the paint. So those are shots that are outside of the restricted area but still inside of the painted area. So not quite as valuable, but still like a, a valuable shot. Um, and he shot 48% on those looks, which was in the 79th percentile nationally for guards. And those field goal attempts, those 2.3, that was in the 88th percentile um, 
you know, uh, nationally. By comparison, Proctor was at 1.2 field goal attempts per game in the paint, 1.5 field goal attempts per game at the rim, um, and he shot, uh, you know, shot lower uh, in the paint than Roach. Roach, like I said, 48% in the paint away from the rim. Proctor, 27% field goal percentage in the paint away from the rim. So for me, for Roach, like again, he's not, um, you know, this guy's not. Uh, he's limited in terms of his strength and in terms of his length. And just like he doesn't have, I don't think he has like a plus, you know, downhill burst, but he has just enough of all of that. He's clever. He's good at rejecting screens. And with some of those five outlooks, then maybe it's going to open up even more sort of like channels for him to get to the rim. But if we were to highlight one thing for Roach, I would say like it's late game pick and roll playmaking. Yes. Those, em- those yeah. empty side pick and pops with flip were like that was Duke's like break last in case of emergency play last season, and it was it worked pretty well. Um, and I think part of that is Roach has the ability to touch the paint and and, and, and make tough shots too for sure. Yeah. But like his he ability to get downhill, is, up. yeah. yeah. And even the year up. before, right? Like that. Yep. I think that's the if we could somehow like put it in a bottle and have like a low usage connector for 30 minutes, but then a closer, right. And let him yeah. just be the guy to close games to be the guy yeah. to like, I mean, he did it how many times, especially when he came back healthy, like both mm-hmm. Carolina games, he just ripped their heart out, basically doing the same thing both times. Right. And can you have a low usage closer? I don't know, but he could be that guy. I think you, I mean, like, again, I, I think it's possible. I think you even meant you even touched on like what it looked like at the end of the 22 season. Yeah. Like, um, you know, he was still probably hovering right around like, you know, 19, 20% usage. Maybe it bumped up to like the low 20s at the end of the season. But I think he had sort of like that was sort of like when he figured out his role. I was just glad that like one, not only did he play well at the end of last season for Duke, but like he was dealing with a, a toe injury during the middle of the season. I was, I kind of thought he might just be to- like, I, I was worried that he was going to be like toast mm-hmm. for the stretch run. And I was dead wrong about that. He was incredible down the stretch. You talked about the, the mid range pull ups and um, the, the late game, like heroics for him. 23 were, against Virginia and 23 against Store Roberts. He yeah. Didn't have a great game at Tennessee, but really nobody, nobody did. No one <laughs> did. I mean, that, that was a weird, that was a weird game. Uh, and it really was only Proctor that, that really, I think, had a you know had a, had a big time shot making performance. Tennessee's defense was really good and really really physical. Yeah, yeah. So somehow combined, like if you could put Tyus and Quinn Cook in like one body, and then like okay, Roach, be that <laughs> the last seven minutes of a game for us, right? Just connect us for thirty some minutes, and then close it because he looks to be maybe the only guy on the roster that you would be confident in that has enough burst to beat his first yep. guy right now, decision-making yep. once that happens and the ability to get all the way or to get too deep, that's a concern maybe, but he might be the only guy in a slow down half court late game to just be like, Hey, flip high ball screen. Let's figure this out. Ro- like yep. Roach just right. try to get in there and make something happen. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess, but. Interesting to see. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll get ready to kind of transition here. Let's talk a little bit kind of as landscape as a whole shoe. I know you wanted to jump in here um, to I guess we're going to talk a little bit about the ACC and the schedule and just kind of, uh, you know, maybe who's challenging Duke. Shoe, I'll let you kind of take it off here. Yeah, I mean, you know, this year, the ACC, obviously, we've seen a kind of a trend of the ACC not being what it has been. So, Maybe that's why you've seen John schedule a little bit harder in the non-conference. But just to start off, um, you know, what are your thoughts on the ACC and who might 
you know, contend uh, for the the top spot in in the league this year. Shu, you want to pull up your media yeah. day roster from last year? Your uh, your picture from last year? Would you have Louisville uh, fourth? <laughs> I think I had Louisville third or fourth. Yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> yeah, I had Clemson very low, and so I missed that one bad too. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think Duke is going to be. I think Duke is going to have a, a a great chance to to be one of the best teams in the country and one of the best teams um, in the league. I like Miami a lot, even though you know they lose. Uh, Isaiah Wong and they lose Jordan Miller to the NBA, but having and the kid uh, from bring, Florida state, yeah, yeah, bringing in Matthew Cleveland. Um, they got another recruit that came in, Michael Nwoko, who played in the hoop summit against, um, against Grandiston. He was on the, the world team, uh, uh, the international team in that event. It's like another, you know, depth piece up front that can, you know, play above the rim and get on the offensive glass. So I, I think Miami is going to be really, really good. They're tough to guard, um, and and I think Pack is in line to have like a, a big, big season for them. Um, you know, Rich, you know, UVA had a lot of turnover roster wise, um, and you know, losing Caden Shedrick I think is a, a tough blow. But they bring in Blake Buchanan, who also played in the Hoop Summit out in Portland. Getting Reese Beekman back is huge. Um, Isaac McNeely look is like poised to be like the next, you know, uh, you know, UVA movement shooter that just makes a killing coming off flares and pin downs and in the you know blocker mover um offense. And I think a guy like Ryan Dunn, who he only played like 400 minutes as a freshman last year, but he was awesome. Like is one of the best like defensive prospects, forward prospects um in the ACC. Um, by my my by my estimation, so I think UVA looks dangerous, and I mean UNC bringing yeah and yeah and you and oh, I also think UNC too just like bring I mean bring back Baycott for his you know eighth season of college basketball <laughs> and RJ Davis is an awesome college point guard like a really good shooter really good at running the secondary break um and can do a lot of stuff like with and without the ball on the half court he's really good and a lot of different stuff that hubert davis runs especially when they like lift uh lift the defense um and i know harrison ingram like disappointed a little bit last season at at stanford um but if he ever like sort of like improves the jump shot as a six seven guy with with size that can really pass and run pick and roll like he's a tough matchup piece um, so I, I think UNC's got a really good team on on paper, and they've got guys to like run the offense through with multiple guys. With um, I, I don't want to mispronounce his, his 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 name, but the freshman guard that reclassified Elliot Cadeau, uh, Cadeau, yeah, Cadeau, yeah. R.J. Davis. They got a guy in Baycott you can play through the post, and like my guess is you'll see a lot of like you know wing or front court pick and rolls with with Harrison Ingram too so they've just got they've got a lot of pieces i like their offense i just yeah get a question what the defense does. i'm looking at my chops if they're putting rj and Elliot out there together yeah, like mm. foot guys, yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. I'll, I'll take that i'll take that for sure there might be some I, addition by want... subtraction though in terms of getting Caleb, Caleb love. love off yeah. Of here, honestly yeah, yeah. just the, the defense and the horrible inefficient offense yeah. yeah, you lose Leaky Black too. I mean, that guy was yeah, uh, yeah. really. I mean, he covered up a really, lot, right? He did, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I have major concerns about just what Baycott can be as a rim protector and just as a the durability factor there for him. But obviously, mm-hmm. his his career has been great. Um, in but, in in Jalen Washington, like 
is like an interesting, you know, yeah. front court, you know, pick and pop guy too for them that like definitely showed some flashes for for you. Buried last, last year, like weirdly, like every time yeah. he came in, it looked like he did something good, and then see they, you, dude. <laughs> they like couldn't figure out their front court. It just, I mean, I think everything got messed up for them because like for them to like ultimately hit their ceiling, like regardless of like whatever happened with Love, is they needed to figure out the blend with Nance and Baycott. Because like the backbone of their team two seasons ago was like Manic and Baycott just fit each other perfectly. And they like by the final month of the season, those guys were humming. And like they just never Nance was never comfortable in the role and it just never say, worked. We're just out. not a point power forward, right? He's more of a, a, a center that yeah. can occasionally you, shoot threes. Like yeah. five like a five out center, you know. Um used in a ways that a lot of ways that Ryan Young was used at Northwestern before he, he came to Duke. A lot of those sort of like Princeton, you know, five out sets um, uh, that Northwestern is sort of like known for running. Yeah. So I was, I guess I was more curious about, I'm going to bring Clemson up a little bit higher in my preseason media poll this year. Uh, they they returned PJ Hall, right? And then they added uh, Gerard from Syracuse. So is this the knows? year that Clemson finally, what are they going to start like nine and oh, and then <laughs> finish nine and 10 or what, what was they going to be this year? <laughs> that's you know? kind of been the MO for them, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll be Duke though. I'm sure. Right. That's the, that's the way it works. Um, L- losing, losing Hunter Tyson is a yeah, tough one. Yeah, he had a really a nice, game. nice summer league for the, for the Denver Nuggets. And I think he, um, you know, certainly I think he projects as like a, a good player, um, uh, going forward in, in the NBA as like a, you know, six, eight, six, nine, you know, guy that can really shoot. I'll be curious to see like how the, how the point guard situation unfolds for, uh, for Clemson. Um, you saw a lot of chase Hunter last season, but, um, you know, I think he was sort of like more of like a combo that got smashed into that role. Um, and I think even a guy like Joe Girard, like he's a shooter with like big time range, but like, he's not like a breakdown point guard and and a guy that's going to like really, really like set you up, but they're tough to guard because like they run a lot of stuff through the high post PJ hall can like PJ hall making a jump as like a shooter was a big deal for them as well. Um, cause they could, they could all of a sudden like, you know, open things up with him offensively and, and with Tyson last season. Um, and then I'll, I forgot, you know, they added Jack Clark <laughs> from NC State, who was a nice, like a nice team defender and a good cutter. And, and it, you know, didn't shoot threes really well last season, but is willing to take him from deep. So they've got like a lot of size. And, and I think with their offense, they can be tough to match up with because they run good actions and they can really space the floor and play through the high post. But um, I'll be curious to see sort of like what the backcourt uh, rotation and impact looks like for Clemson. All right. Well, not to get too far into to the college landscape, but you know, since John's taken over, we've seen kind of this uh, this ramp up in non-conference marquee games. We've got four top twenty-five, at least you know, preseason top twenty-five games on the schedule uh, with Arizona, Michigan State, Baylor, and who Arkansas, Arkansas at Arkansas. Um, of those four games, is there one that you're kind of looking forward to the most, or you know, highlight one or two of them, maybe? All, all of them are going <laughs> to be are, are going to be really, really, really fun. Um, I mean, if I had we can to start with the first one, Arizona, you know, third game of the year. That's the Caleb one I'm probably most Arizona Baylor Caleb to Love's me coming back in Cameron one last time. Yeah, yeah, uh, one yeah. more time for Caleb Love. Um, no, I think. 
I like Pele Larson uh, for Arizona. Who's a good wing. They've got a guy named um, Kylan Boswell, who's a like six two rising sophomore guard. Who's a guy that like I think could be like a a breakout player this season. I think he has NBA potential. Um, so I will be curious to see that. But you know they they lose a lot from uh from from last season's team, including a guy like you know uh, Tubelis that had been such like a a fulcrum for them. Um, uh, offensively, the last couple yeah. of seasons, um, they also brought in. I think they brought in what Jaden Bradley from yeah, Alabama, from Alabama. Yep. who is like one of the fastest guys in college basketball. Like you know, a little out of control. Um, and certainly played in an offense at Alabama that like was probably allowed. You know, they played very very fast, and they had all kinds of you know floor spacing around him. But but Bradley can really turn the corner and and get downhill. Like he's and he's got good size too. Um, but a guy that like can really be like a pressure point, um, on the rim. So I, I'm I'm very interested to see that game. I'm interested to see what Boswell. And Bradley in love, like I'll be curious to see what Love's role is on this team because he might be the third best guard on this roster. You know, um, I know he's probably the most experienced, but depending on how you know how Bradley has developed and how Boswell has developed, like those guys might be higher in the in the pecking order um, uh, for uh, for Arizona than than even a guy like Caleb Love. And then, you know, uh, Champions Classic in Chicago, we're going to match up with Izzo. You know, they're ranked preseason number five, at least according to, to Gary Parrish. They returned five of their six top scorers. They added uh, Xavier Booker, who Duke was pretty heavily involved with for, for a long time. So that should be another marquee matchup. Um, I guess has Shire hadn't faced Izzo yet, right? This will be the first. Yeah, the first, yep. I mean, I really like... Like Jaden Aikens is a guy that looks like potentially an NBA player. Um, Malik Hall has been there for the front court guy's been there for what seems like a million years now, but is like a versatile six eight guy that can pass. Um, but yeah, walk Tyson Walker, AJ Hogard, Jaden Aikens is like a really nice like backcourt um for that team. Hall, then you add in Booker. Like, I mean, I'm, I think Michigan State's gonna be be pretty good. Um, next season, and you know, I, say what you will, I suppose about Izzo. I I tend to really like a lot of the stuff that Michigan State runs in their half court offense. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think they're going to be tough um, at, at any point of the season. And I don't know. I mean, who knows how many more years Izzo has has in him to make like a you know real you know run at a, another Final Four or a title or whatever. And maybe maybe next season is a another good opportunity uh for him. But no, I'm fascinated. That's that'll be interesting. I think the Baylor game um has a chance to be really, really cool too. Like Jalen Bridges is back. It's a guy that probably if he wanted to could have tested his name um in the uh you know or could have could have stayed in the 2023 draft. They've got a guy named Ray J. Dennis um the kid transferred uh, from the mac yeah yeah he transferred in from toledo i think um i ended up watching a decent amount of dennis because i had a there was a assignment i had to do last year where i had to watch basically the entire mac tournament um in some of the games leading up to it um and dennis was awesome like was at times like it felt like the best player on the court in a lot of those games 
Jaden Nunn transferred in from VCU. Um, I don't think he had like a great sophomore year last year, but as a guy that, you know, I think after his freshman year, people thought like, depending on how he progresses, like that's a guy that could maybe have, um, you know, uh, professional upside. And then uh, Jacoby Walter, who also played in the Hoop Summit game um, that I caught, uh, you know, along with Grandison and Sean Stewart and Blake Buchanan and uh, some other guys. So um, I don't know, but you know, Baylor's I like, they're going to be really athletic. Um, <laughs> they they run like really creative pick and roll offense. And uh, my guess is that the ball is going to be in Ray J. Dennis's hands a lot next season. And it'll be fun to see him against uh, not just Duke, but, you know, Big 12 type competition for a full season. Yeah. And I think this is our first time playing Baylor's it's the 2010 team. Since Shire played him. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Wow. Which, oh, okay. oh, wow. Yeah. That's such a fun game, too. I know. Yeah, that That's a great one to go back and rewatch for sure. Um, and then even Arkansas is a little interesting because you got L. Ellis from Louisville, right? This down there yep. in Arkansas now yep. who lit us up for a little bit there in Cameron. So, <laughs> And I mean, in Arkansas, you know, they've made three of the last uh, or they made the last three Sweet 16s, right? Mm-hmm. Last three years in and a row. And their defense is always good. Yeah. Um, you know, that game's on the road. So uh, that'll be a tough one. There. That's going to be a tough one. Yeah, sure. that's gonna be a tough yeah. Musselman, Musselman is a good coach. Yeah. Um, obviously a lot of roster turnover um for them. You know, Nick Smith, yep. Anthony Black, um, first round picks, Ricky Council undrafted, but he's I think with the Sixers now. And then they also have um Jordan Walsh, who uh second round pick for the uh for the Celtics, um, they still have Arkansas. Still has Devo Davis, who's been like one of the best SEC guards. I mean, he was on the, the he played. He was a rotation guy on that Arkansas team that Duke beat in the tournament a couple of years ago. Um, they've got a guy that was hurt last, got hurt really early last season after transferring in from Missouri. Have you all seen uh, Trevon Brazil play at all by any chance? Mm-hmm. Um. He's six six ten, like you know, played a lot of center at Missouri, um, at least in the games that I saw him there. But I think Arkansas was using him more as like a like a four. But before he tore his ACL last year, but before he got hurt, um, he is like an above the rim athlete that moves super duper well, like really really long, fluid athlete. So assuming a full recovery from him, I mean, I think Brazil is like one of the best returning front court like NBA prospects in the country. And it's a guy that could create like, you know, a lot of yeah, who we garden. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um <laughs> they also brought in a guy from Houston, Tremont Mark, who like I think he got lost kind of in the shuffle with Houston just because, you know, Sasser, Marcus Sasser, Jairus Walker, Jamal Shedd, like they had lots of guys, but Mark is like a veteran you know, kind of like combo guard wing that I I also think like has some, you know, you know, maybe slight NBA potential too. So like, you know, Arkansas always cleans up in the, in the transfer portal. They did it last year with Brazil and council. Um, and they did it again this season with L Ellis, uh, with Tremont Mark. Um, and, and obviously like, you know, they already had Brazil, but having him come back is a, is a big deal. So, I think they can be like a little gross offensively, and I could see this team mm-hmm. yep. being like, a, like it being like a bit of a slog for them on that side of the court. 
but defensively they're going to be they're going to be a beast and um and Ellis, L. Ellis has shown the ability to like prop up an offense that doesn't have a lot of like parts that like fit perfectly well together um i kind of couldn't believe how much like louisville fans got on him last season cuz he was like the one guy on that team that could create create his own shot and create for others about the only guy that was really kind of fun to watch for them too like when he got it going like he had that he kind of pull up he had that yeah. yeah he could have put him in a ball screen and just let him go i mean they um, were I, louisville was playing lineups last season with like three centers at the same time <laughs> it was it was like it was like kind of amazing oh watch like the the lack of fluidity and the lack of spacing that that team had was like a little um it was like a little jarring. And yeah, I mean, Ellis basically had to play in an airplane bathroom in terms of like spacing every time he drove <laughs> to the paint last season. Um, and I guess one of those guys, Jalen Withers, is now now at uh at UNC. I'll be curious to see like how Hubert uses him because his fre- redshirt freshman year was that was like the 2021 season with Carly Jones and David Johnson. And Withers was like really good as like a small ball five. But every year he's played, he's moved like more to the wing at like the four or the three. And like, that's just not, it's not the best use, I think, of his, uh, of his skills. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we'll kind of get ready to wrap up here. My final kind of to put you on the spot a little bit. It's obviously July 18th. So there's a long ways to go. Um, Final Four is going to be in Phoenix this year. Would you, it's hard to pick Final Four teams because I don't like doing that because we haven't seen the brackets. Let's look at one seeds. Would you take Duke to make one of those four? Or are you taking the field? Oof. Man, that's tough. Um, <laughs> Uh, what the hell? I'll say I'll I'll have yeah. Let me give let me get Duke as a one seed. Sure, why not? July eighteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not have some fun here and let it all hang out? Like we're gonna have a good shot at it with the non-conference. The scheduling allows us some opportunity and some flexibility in conference. That's the one good thing I really like about what what John's done, Um, especially with the twenty game league schedule. Kansas is going to be tough. Kansas is going to be Kansas. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Kansas is going to be Bill self has built a machine, uh, in Lawrence. Like they're, they have a really nice balance of like, you know, one and done type guys with multi-year players and trade. Like they just, they've got, they just print an awesome two way team. Every team, every, every year it feels like, um, I mean, Creighton brought back a lot of guys, I think offensively they'll be really good, and defensively with Kalkbrenner and the drop, they have the chance to, to to have an impact. But they'll have to, I guess, sort out. They lost Nembhard um, yep. in the transfer portal. Um, I mean, I guess Purdue projects to be really, really good, but like, you know, how much do you? And I know, I think even Zach Eady is playing in the World Cup this summer uh, for uh, for Team Canada, which is kind of interesting. But yeah. I don't know what the trust factor is as far as the tournament goes with Purdue after the last two seasons. seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. 16 and a 15. The last two. That's brutal. Brutal, man. Dude, uh, losing to a 15 seed when you've got Jaden Ivy on your roster is also just like, (laughs) you should have been able, like, Matt Painter is like, in my mind, like one of the like elite offensive, you know, basketball minds in the country. I, I really enjoy Purdue's offense and, they do things different. They play through the post a lot and they've got lots of great like off ball movement actions, but it's like, man, you're, you're having a crisis against St. Peter, you know, uh, St. Peter's like, maybe just give the guy 
that runs you know a four two forty, just like yeah. get out of his way and you know yeah. try to let let that guy you know get, go full tilt and get to the uh, to the rim. But yeah, losing to a fifteen and a sixteen in back to back years is is pretty tough. But I I think they're they're probably going to come in preseason number one next season, yeah, don't you think? I think so yeah. Them or Kansas, right? It's gotta yeah, be either yeah. Kansas, I guess Michigan State's in that conversation. Duke's probably in that conversation. Um Houston probably. Yeah, too. that could yeah. I mean, that's probably the teams that you're looking at up there. Um should maybe be interesting. Tennessee, FAU, maybe? any any FAU love or <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, UConn bit. still has some questions, I think, but they might get just the the title bump. So then maybe they're yeah. back up in the conversation too. Um Tennessee. interesting to see what Gonzaga does. Tennessee brings back. They still got Viscovi. They still have uh, Josiah Jordan James. So I think he's coming back for his fifth season, right? I think we recruited him in like 2015. They so did. Yeah, <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> um, they still got James Adu, who can really play above the rim. Um, they also brought in a transfer that played against Duke last season, uh, Jordan Ganey from mm-hmm. South Carolina Upstate, who I covered oh, a couple yeah, of yeah. years in, in the Big South. Um, he's playing for Tennessee. So, like, I don't know. I mean, say what you will about Tennessee in the actual tournament. I mean, they project, they look like they're going to be ferocious defensively. They've got some guys that can shoot and play make and a lot of experience and size, like, on the wing and in the backcourt, too. And um, Ganey will be – it'll be interesting to see how Ganey, like, scales to a, like, lower usage role against better competition, but he's, he's shown like real upside um, playing in the, the big South and against some of these non-conference opponents the last couple of years. So I, I will certainly have my eye on, um, on, uh, on, uh, on Tennessee. Uh, kind of wish as, we would have got well. them in the SEC. Oh, I really wish we could have yeah. got them too, especially going at Tennessee. I would have loved that. Um, get a chance to redeem that. I would also say my guess would be that USC, would would project pretty high. Um, they've got Isaiah Collier, who I I think he's is he the number one incoming point guard in the in yeah. the twenty three class. Plus you got Boogie's still there. Boogie right? Ellis, a former you know former Duke <laughs> commit. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's 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 crazy how much like you know like what he he decommitted because of the Cassius Stanley commit, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. right? I mean, it's like this stuff. Some of this stuff is just like. So do you get one one Ooh. year Cassius Stanley, or do you want five of Boogie? <laughs> Oh, man. Even though I, you know, his first two in Memphis because he went to Memphis first, right? Yeah, and, yep, yep, and then transferred yep. out. So he's, be- yeah. he's become a really good player, though. He is, yeah, yes, yeah, he is. Solid. He's he's nice. Um, and they've got Kobe Johnson, who's like a six six, you know, wing guard that I think is one of the better returning, you know, NBA prospects in the uh, the Pac twelve too. So they they look inter- they look interesting. Um, there's a lot of talent. Um, in the backcourt with Collier, Derek Ellis. Thornton still play for you. Uh, <laughs> 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 keep track with the COVID years, right? It's like, yeah, I know. like some guys have, like you joked, uh, been in college eight years somehow. I, yeah. I did see Cassius Stanley hanging with uh, when Duke had the the summer league meetup in Vegas, which was pretty nice. cool to see. I saw Cassius Stanley was uh, was was in the crowd with um, with you know, you know. Five or six other, dozen yeah. other, yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy, yeah. man. Looked it looked fun. Looked like a good time. <laughs> yeah, you know, shout out to DJ Stewart, hung like thirty eight off the bench the other night too. So we're we're yeah. out there all around. Um, you know, not everyone's Tatum, so that's okay. But uh, well, Brian, yeah. we've kept you a while here. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, you've wrote a lot, especially like Duke related stuff. Is there anything in the works that you're working on now? Duke related, non Duke related. What's going on on your side? Yeah, I think I've got through most of the stuff I absolutely wanted to write about 
this off season with Duke. Um, I'm sure once the season gets closer, there's going to be more sort of like general preview pieces to do. But I wanted to do, to do the flip piece. I wanted to do the Mitchell piece. I wanted to do the Proctor piece, and then out of that came sort of some of my thoughts on just Duke playing with more, you know, with playing with multiple guards and ball handlers on the court. So those are like the last four things that I wrote. They're all up at the Devil's Den if you haven't checked those out. I mean, I think they're evergreen enough, at least the start of uh, next season. What I'm working on now, one is taking like a little bit time away, just like, you know, it was pretty busy through the draft and, and watching Summer League. And now it's now's a good time to like decompress a little bit, mm-hmm. um, make sure that I still like doing this, which I do, thankfully. But, you know, read read a book every now and then, watch the movies. But one of the things I am going to be working on for another 247 site uh, over at Pack Pride is doing sort of like a, a deep dive on NC State's depth chart that I'm working on right now. Um, Actually, earlier this evening, I was watching some Arizona State uh, DJ Horn uh, film, who's was the was the guard at Arizona State that's transferring in for State now. I've done already done a lot of offseason breakdown pieces on incoming players for State. Horn's the one guy I didn't really quite get to, so that's probably the one thing I'll be working on. Um, and then just like potting about the Hornets at at Buzzbeat. Um, you know, we've, we we did a lot of offseason stuff already around the draft and free agency, but. There will be uh there will be more of that on the uh, horizon. I appreciate you guys having me for coming on and and giving up some of your time. It's uh it's always fun to come on and talk ball with y'all. Yeah, I'd love to have you on for like another hour just to talk about the NBA <laughs> and the Hornets yeah. and what yeah. you think about Brandon Miller versus Scoot and Henderson. How we maybe we get you back. Yeah. At some they should have taken. Yeah, let's just but like before I start openly weeping uh about the Brandon Miller versus Scoot Henderson pick, we can. Uh, they should have drafted Scoot. It's a whole, but we won't. We won't open up that can of worms. Yeah, uh, drafting roster up. fit top three is just kind of comical a little it's, bit, but you know, brutal. it's it's it's, uh, it's the way it <laughs> it's is. It's what we do here in Charlotte. Yeah. yeah, he's had some flashes though in summer league. So I will say that like he's looked okay, like he's looked fine. But when you have a guy like anyway, we don't have time to get. Yeah, it just but <laughs> again, I, I like I like Miller as like the you know jumbo potential pick and roll initiator. I don't quite see it, but maybe it's there and. Still is like the gravity bending movement shooter type. Like I kind of like that, but I, I mean, with Scoot, you just—it seems like you have an engine of offense for the next decade plus, and um, some Lamelo insurance maybe if the <laughs> if the injuries and the ankles aren't really you know. I also think those guys would have. I also think they would have fit. I think they would have yeah. fit. Like I think you could have. It wouldn't have been that hard. And like whatever uh, another yeah. time we can get yeah, into yeah. it more I've been banging my head against the wall for the last three weeks but yeah miller miller had some flashes at at, at summer league he didn't shoot it great but um he showed stuff both like initiating pick and roll and and you know coming off pin downs and so i i don't know i think he's going to be a good player i just it's probably not a good look that like Scoot Henderson, Jairus Walker, the Thompson twins all looked better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cam Whitmore looked better than him at summer league. It's like probably not. I mean, it's just stupid summer league, but um, yeah, that's not like early returns weren't like uh, maybe quite as promising as, as, as favorable. Like, yeah. 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 Well, well, we'll see what happens. It's a long season, a lot of time, uh, but yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you come back on once we start to see what some of this stuff looks like next year, especially after this kind of non-conference slate. Um, you know, again, you can find all of Brian's work, well, Duke-related work over at thedevilsden.com. Um, you can email us at thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at devilsdenpod247. 
Uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, go back and check out our last two episodes. We had John Shire on last week. We had Mark Mitchell on the week before that. Um, pretty excited about those two guys. So to, to cool be able to get yeah. those. Yeah, <laughs> um, we we were fanboying a little bit there. So uh, go go check those out while there's still some time up. Um, in the meantime, you know what to do. <laughs> stay stay out of that heat. Keep the faces strong and the verve high. Go do. Mm-hmm.